You're listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Anna Eason Kim, for those that haven't come across you online, introduce yourself and tell our listeners what we're talking about today. I am Anna East Webster Minuti, and I am a PharmD, a pharmacist at a hospital system in Oregon. My name is Kim Kessler, and I am a writer, editor, storyteller, filmmaker person. Um, I run my own uh, self-employed business helping authors tell awesome stories, which is how Ana East and I met, actually, as a writer-editor, and now we're writing partners. So, uh, yeah, today we're going to talk about our pharmacy documentary that we are in the trenches with right now, and we're really excited to get everybody um, on board with us to make this thing happen. When we met up online and I heard about the topic of this, I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about the crap of pharmacy, but I really want to find out about the documentary. I said, that's really cool. So here we are. Well, it's interesting, Mike, actually, like, because this is exactly the point. Exactly. You said, you're like, I don't want to talk about this anymore because everyone in pharmacy knows everything that's been happening and nobody wants to talk about it anymore. Well, well, they really want people to listen, right? Like they really want, there's so many people like myself who I, I'm not in a medical background. I just dry, run through my Rite Aid drive through and I pick up my pills every month and I have no idea what's going on in pharmacies. You're exactly right, Kim. When I say I'm sick of it, I guess like you say, I'm sick of talking to my wife about it and other pharmacists about right? it and to people on this show about it. You know, I mean, we bitch a little bit just to have fun and to <laughs> right. make it interesting. You got to air those grievances, right? You got to air them out. <laughs> but then we kind of move on to things that are more topical in the business world and so on. You can only talk about something so much. But you're right. If I had an audience that would listen, right? then I'll talk forever if it's the that's right it. people. Yes, so you it. nailed it there. Yeah, so that's really what we're looking to do is we want to bring the issues that are going on in retail pharmacy that on East educated me about and our our other uh, teammate, Ethan, because um, we're just, you know, laymen, right? We're just like people who just, you know, go to pharmacies or whatever and don't know anything about it. And so now we're like, oh, we need to get this in front of the masses so that they understand what's actually going on. Where did this idea start from? When I left my retail pharmacy job I was so I was still working at the hospital and I stayed on with my retail job because I enjoyed who I worked with and I enjoyed the um, patient and customer interaction um, and if you only work a few days a month you don't deal with any of the issues at all and so um, then the COVID vaccines and all of the stuff with COVID hit and I decided I was done with that moonlighting job. This isn't fun anymore. And so I was complaining to Kim and I was like, Kim, this is awful. You guys were buddies. We were buddies. We're buddies outside of this. Oh, we're buddies. Oh. We're writing partners. Like we write scripts together, like feature, like we're trying, we're trying to get a pilot picked up and we write books and. You said that, but I thought it was because like you got together, you were already writing partners and Kim just bored with you on his. <laughs> Every time you go out for coffee, it's like the same damn story. And Kim's saying, let's put some structure to this so I can get this off my back. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, wait, so what's going on? Wait, how does pharmacy work? Wait, what do you do? Like, you mean, um, you know, and just like 
mind-blowing to learn about everything because I just didn't know. This wasn't from a one-time gripe session from Ana East, right? This had been over time that it's building up because you were friends. Yeah, we're friends. And she's texting me all of the tweets, right? All of the screenshots of all of these tweets from pharmacy Twitter, which apparently is a thing that I didn't know. And so, and I'm just like, wait, what? Wait, what? And we just, it just, it's everywhere. And I just had no idea about the dumpster fire that was retail pharmacy. And then one day I just texted her out of, I, I texted her a tweet like I did, like I always did. And then she, I was like, someone needs to do a documentary about this were my exact words. And Kim goes, I have friends who can help us with this. And I said, us. Oh, we are, you mean we are doing it. And so that's how I was introduced to Ethan. Um, Kim connected us via email. And Ethan was like, hmm, pharmacy. I don't really understand anything about it. Let me look into it. Yeah, I looked that up. He's a cinematographer. Yeah, he's amazing. And him and I, we live in the same area and we work together on films and and do things together. You've already worked together with him. Yes. So I've already worked together with him and he bleeds documentary. Like that's like his passion is to tell the truth, right? To use film as a medium because it's so accessible and, you know, audiences just were clamoring for really great content. Um, And so there are stories that need to be told. And so that's his heart is to really like tell. And I'm like, oh, we have a meaningful documentary. I have a person who wants to tell meaningful documentary stories. And I just want to tell meaningful stories. I tell fiction, nonfiction, like, you know, I don't care. I just want to be, and I'm all about like the collaborative team effort of like what we're doing. A month goes by, I hear nothing. And I was like, okay. And then out of the blue, he says, there seems to be a lot of frustration on this subreddit. He was brought into the fold and he was like, I'm ready to do this documentary. We're doing this. Not looking at pharmacy, what's the overall market for documentaries? Is it hard to break into not doing them, but into like selling them? Do you then sell it to Hulu or Netflix or something like that? How does that work out? That's the thing about film in general, right? Is, you know, it takes a lot of money to make a film well, right? Like anybody can make a film for free. It just, it might not be that good, right? Like you want to have good equipment. You want to have enough staff, like enough crew, right? To be able to do all the things. It's kind of like any schmuck can host a podcast. That's kind of... (laughs) I don't let him say that about you, Mike. Don't worry. (laughs) Anybody can do it, but it costs money to do a good one. Yeah, right. You can point and shoot and you can get editing software and whatever. And so the things that we're really excited about bringing is um, Ethan's really awesome with a camera. So he's, you know, he's really genius about what he does. Um, And Anais and I are storytellers, right? Anais has the pharmacy like expertise and background and like knows where the issues are like goes like oh we got to go look at this dark corner over here and then I go I know what this means this is what it means to a layman audience person like me and that's who we really want that's who we want to get on board so at this point for any film right you need money right you need funding you need a budget right if you look at like how much how much you know industry films are costing you know millions of dollars to like do all of the pieces that you need to make something really excellent um and you could make something and then you need to distribute it right so like getting a distribution contract can be really tricky because sometimes they're kind of scammy right you know what i mean they're not necessarily a great deal um and so maybe it means you need to get an agent or you know representation a manager like there's all these things right it's kind of like you'll see online where they'll say you know, we'll help you write a book and get it published and all this. But it's like, well, what audience do they have? Who are they? So a lot of people will take you on, but you're looking at the end goal of who's going to see it. That's where you have to start. Absolutely. We're on a mission. 
it's interesting because um, we had a big shift in our potential ability to distribute this on Friday. So on Friday, we had a big name director who is actually interested in having a meeting with us based on a connection we made from someone we interviewed for the documentary. The director's name is Kirby Dick, and he did the Bleeding Edge documentary. And one of the people in that documentary works at an independent pharmacy who's trying to start a nonprofit. So um, she works at an independent pharmacy in New York. And she said, Kirby just emailed me out of the blue and asked, hey, do you have any leads? I'm looking for my next project. And that was on Wednesday. The interwebs of our connect of like all the connections has just been the most magical part of all of this. What's really interesting when we're looking to distribute this this documentary is because streaming services have just totally revolutionized the way that we take in film and take in TV and take in anything. So honestly, it feels like the the market for documentary is higher than it's ever been because of streaming services and people's interest in documentary. You know, it's not something you're necessarily going to release in theaters to like go have that kind of a run. But on streaming services, like my sister goes through every true crime documentary there is like It's just like with podcasts, right? People are starving for meaningful content that they want to gobble up. And as soon as you watch one, you're like, I just want more of that. Like, give me more of that. So it's it feels we feel really optimistic, (laughs) you know, maybe naively. Documentaries, too. When I go on there to watch a documentary, there might be the world's greatest documentary. But if it's not a topic I'm interested in, it's not just like a mystery or a thriller or action or a comedy, those things I don't care so much what the topic is. Like if I'm watching a comedy, I don't care where they work or what profession they're in. If it's funny, it's funny. But with documentaries, a lot of times you really want to watch a topic. So it seems like, you know, having something pharmacy, it's like, yeah, I know there's a lot of other ones, but we're the only pharmacy one kind of thing. I would think it's an easier way in if you have the right interesting story in a certain field. Well, I think the fact that, right, pharmacy, just like anything medical, right, is so universal, right? Like, it's such a universal thing that, like, millions upon millions of people use a pharmacy, um, have life-saving medication and life-sustaining medication that they need. And if we go, there's a broken link in the chain, like, you need to figure this out about your pharmacy that you might be going to. There are a lot of, you know, the bleeding edge that we mentioned earlier is is about medical devices, right? So it's a, and that's why we're really hoping that it's going to end up being a really great fit. Um, and, you know, these things that, yeah, how many people have had a hip replacement, right? Like, that's a really common surgery and watch out. Like if you have cobalt in those, that's bad news. You know, like, so you're learning about things that affect everyday people. Um, and that's the power of documentaries. It's telling you something that you might not know that you're interested in it yet, but just watch. Right. And you're going to learn about things. Our other hook is um, that's why we picked our title is because we know it's tongue in cheek. Tell me the title. Our title is Would You Like Shots With That? The Crisis Behind the Pharmacy Counter in the U.S. Again, full title, Would You Like Shots With That? The Crisis Behind the Pharmacy Counter in the U.S. We went with that because of the fast foodification of pharmacy. Everyone treats us like McDonald's. So they're like, you roll up to the drive-thru, hey, would you like to supersize that? Would you like fries with that? But just take that into those metrics and goals surrounding immunizations and then couple that with the public perception. Yeah, that misunderstanding of what 
is actually happening behind the counter, what a pharmacist and pharmacy tech's job actually is, they're not just slapping stuff on, you know, slapping a label on a bottle. They're like checking everything, you know, like the real craft. I can see the artwork now. You're going to have something that looks like a hamburger, maybe like a big pill. And then you're going to have like a (laughs) a French fry thing, but it's going to be like 30 needles sticking out of it instead of French fries. Right? Because that's like, would you like fries with that? Would you like shots with that? Yes, yes. Something like that. Because um, it just has to be fun. Like, the world is very bleak and dark. And this topic is a really heavy one. And sometimes the only way to access those types of emotions is through humor. So we really want to make this kind of funny. Because you have to. (laughs) I don't know a full documentary on pharmacy. I've seen like 20 minute ones on PBS or something like that. I'm not even sure if there's pharmacy ones, but I haven't seen like a super size me kind of documentary on pharmacy. There is one on Netflix called The Pharmacist. It's all about the opioid epidemic. That was a little dark, wasn't it? Well, it is, right? It was. It was. And um, we, talk, we got to talk to Dan. We actually interviewed him. Um, and he spoke with us and we have his full support in what we're doing. He... We have his stamp of approval. Um, and yeah, I mean, his thing, he was really trying to, you know, he was dealing with the death of his son and it was all of his personal investigation, like everything he had done to try to bring this, you know, doctor to justice, right? Like, and so it's definitely, um, and it was really, you know, highlighting and focusing on the opioid epidemic and what's going on. And I think a lot of times, right, that's where people's minds stop about pharmacy. You know, they're like, oh, right, like, you know, people who want their want their drugs, whatever, and they're not looking at, okay, but what about your insulin? And what about your antidepressants? You know, like, what about these other things that you need? Um, you know, there's other stuff going on that you need to be aware of. I think that you said that your next step is probably a trailer for this. Then you get a two-minute trailer and you bring that to investors. Is that kind of the idea? Yes, that's right where we are. So we have a trailer. We call it our sizzle reel. What's it rated? Not scandalous, Mike. Not scandalous, just sizzle. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know what? I feel like... I wonder how we could do this. It would be really awesome to have Mike watch the sizzle. I wish we would have showed it to you before we got started. How long is it? It's two minutes. I'll watch it right now. Can you send it to me? Yeah, let's do it. I just watched this two-minute trailer, and I'm giving Anais and Kim my reaction right now. That was fantastic. Ah, thank you. We're so glad. I'm glad you liked it. You know, documentaries, you watch them, and you get done, you're like, oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. Whether it was a a hidden camera, the music is perfect. It's kind of perky, but kind of like, can't believe this is going on. And they've got this annoying phone ringing in the background. (laughs) And then they show this line of like 20 people. And then they show this sign of uh, there's no pharmacist here. But then the next shot is the same sign with like pencil scratched into it, like FU kind of thing from the customer. Guys, that was really, really good. I didn't know what I was going to see. That was top of the line. Oh, yay. And those are people that you interviewed and so on, or is that just dummy stuff? In the beginning, the first shot in that sizzle reel, that is someone we interviewed. And then when it gets into the um, Arkansas Board of Pharmacy, their Board of Pharmacy meeting was just on YouTube. So we just 
took it off YouTube. And then um, we used footage from TikTok videos. So um, just B-roll that was out in the world that we were able to um, use, plus the interviews that we've done. Every person that is talking to us directly, like, is someone that we talked to. We've spoken with, since January, we've spoken with over 40 different people, you know, pharmacists, pharmacy um, patient advocates, patients themselves. Like we've we've done a ton of pre-interviews that have helped us build sort of the story. Like we have a really clear vision for what the story that we're telling. Um, and we just now it's kind of a matter of going in and capturing all of the real footage in the wild so we can really make it into into a film. Did you do long interviews or did you say, hey, we're doing this trailer. Can you give us five minutes? No, we talked to people for like an hour and then those are like just cut down. So you already have the footage that you need basically for the interviews. Right. There are certain people like key players in the story that we want to go. We're going to fly to them. We want to be with them. We want them to show us the, the places and how things worked and talk to them in person. People are really used to seeing Zoom footage now, so there's certainly going to be some in it. Um, and so, but yeah, when you're making a documentary, pre-production is the is the one of the most important parts of creating any film project. Pre-production meaning getting the interviews and all that kind of stuff. Pre-production is everything you do before you hit action, right? So it's going to be everything that you do. So it's you know it might be finding locations, it might be finding the funding, it might be writing a script, it might be revising, you know, all those things that you do before you're actually on set with the like black and white clacker thingy, you know, that everybody thinks of. That's production. The trailer is still pre-production. Yes, the trailer is still pre-production at this point because we're just using it off of pre-production footage. But what we love is we're like, you can see there's a story here, right? Like there's a story here and there's so much more of a story. What's the last line they use? Where do you hear about the rodents? Yeah, the last line of the trailer, they get done showing these people basically dying the text and then the lady says, wait till I tell you about the rodents. Yep. That was fantastic. You don't expect to hear that in a, in a Zoom interview. <laughs> what are the rules for documentaries as far as do you need permission from people to put it in? We've done some research into um, what those laws are. And we're also we're working with a law firm to help us along this process. And so we have consent forms. So we have a um, release waiver to get permission from all of the people we've interviewed directly. And then for documentaries, there is a I guess it's like an act or a law of some sort called fair use. So you are allowed to use certain footage without having to get permission for the purposes of a documentary. You can probably use the board meeting because that's like not copyright information and it was a public forum, blah, blah, blah. Because there's a Karen on, uh, I call it Tic Tac. I know it's Tic Tac, but I call it Tic Tac just to get my kids. It's funny because I put little segments of this podcast on my TikTok channel, the Biz of Farm Pod, and my kids see it all on their FYP page. You know, it's like all on their front page and they see me constantly. But then I come in and I call it Tic Tac just to kind of like mess with them. But if you've got like a Karen in the pharmacy on TikTok, can you use that? So there's a certain amount of fair use that you can use for if someone's posting something online. Um, and you notice we had we had several TikTok videos in, but we've, we've credited them, shown the source of where they come from. Um, and so, you know, you can find their channel at whoever. And and yeah, at that, that point, there is a certain amount of fair use for social media, which means you should be really careful about what you put on social media. So we had asked our attorney and she was like, everything we have shown her so far 
and we had talked about using, she said was fine. We didn't really broach the subject of how long because we knew everything was going to be short. Do you need any permission from the Karen or that's been published too? It's state by state. So with that, um, with recording laws there, it depends if it's a one consent or a two consent state. Some states you can record another person. A lot of times they're talking about audio, but you can record someone as long as you, the recorder, are consenting to it. Some states, you have to get permission from the Karen before you record them. I'm going to say you can use it because there's a lot of documentaries that have pictures of people in their worst moments, you know, like really angry and this and that. They obviously don't get permission for all of that or else the documentary wouldn't be any fun to watch if you're not you know, kind of pissing somebody off. So it must be legal. And I think that's where fair use comes in because they do want people to be able to document things like that. So you're right. Because what if everything had to be whitewashed? Then it's like, how exciting is that to watch anything? Well, and it's not the truth, right? And like you're saying, when it comes to reporting, right, when it comes to journalism, you know, things like that, um, you know, which, you know, we're kind of falling somewhere in there. But I would say we're probably a little more biased than uh, the regular journalist. But um, but we do still really, you know, we're, we're here to really tell the whole truth. Well, there's a lot of journalism that, I mean, you think of 2020 and 60 Minutes and stuff. They obviously have a slant. They're not going in to discover something. They're going in to stick the microphone into someone's face and, yes. you know, get that. We have a hunch of how this is going to go. Yes. So, yes. you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's why one of the reasons I recommend pharmacists get all of their news once in a while so that you can say, hey, if you ever need a, someone to talk about anything on the news, let me know. Get a few reporters on your side because inevitably you get some young reporter every three or four years who says they're going to like, reveal to the world that there's like different pricing in pharmacy or, you know, something, or they're going to reveal to the world that this pharmacy, uh, you know, charge 10 more cents to this than to somebody else kind of thing. And then they shove the microphone in your face. So it doesn't hurt to have those relationships ahead of time. So when they say, where are you going with this negative story? It's like, oh, I'm going to go see Mike. It's like, don't go see him. He helps us once in a while kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So the documentary, boy, I forget who said this. I'm going to say it was um, Mark Twain, because none of my listeners know the difference anyway. So I'm just going to say the great Mark Perfect. Twain said that to do a, a long speech or something is easy. To make it, you know, a tenth of that is really hard. Oh, yeah. Right. It takes longer to write a short letter than it does to write a long letter. You got it. You got it. So, Kim, that writing and Anis, that writing was superb. I don't think most people understand. I, of course, have an eye for the art. Not <laughs> I don't think most people understand a trailer's tougher than a 60 minute documentary was. You got to tell is. the story. Yes, so who writes that? You two it's write really it? It's really hard. All three of us did. And do you write that before and almost have like a storyboard where you say, we're going to put three people in here and then we're going to talk for a bit. Then we're going to have a long shot. Did you know or how does that work out? Honestly, a lot of it was by feel. And I know that's not a, that's kind of a woo woo answer, but um, we got a lot of footage and then in general, we were kind of putting the bit broad brushstrokes. Like it looks like um, for the beginning of our trailer, we're going to really showcase the issue in terms of like what's a really like gut punch type of type of opening. And then we knew we wanted to also close with something really dramatic. So both the 
nothing will change until fatal mistakes are made, and then the rodents. And kind of with those parameters, the things are floating around in our minds, we're kind of adding clips here and there. And then one day, Ethan was just playing around with it. And he said, you know what, I'm going to try to do um, the first rough draft of the trailer. And so that became our scaffolding. Once he was like, I'm just going to throw some stuff in there. That's when we really crafted it. Ooh, what if we have a phone ringing? throughout how funny would that be in the old days you know back until 30 years ago 20 years ago you'd actually physically have to like cut film physically cut it and then tape it back together and so on now you can like you say you can rough draft this together and get a feel for it what's happening is when we're interviewing people where the story is always in our mind always about how is this going to translate to a broad audience how is this going to you know because we need to know like oh my god this is a person we have to fly and see them in person like we have to or okay this was interesting and maybe they connected us with someone else but this may or may not actually make it in to the documentary but you know you're just gathering and you're kind of just you're just perceiving and processing all this information and certain things are sticking out to us as we're taking it in and we're like that it needs that's important that's important that's important and then um and then also on east has been you know capturing tweets and tiktoks and we have a we have a document called linky links and all the links of all of the stuff that on east has found online that relates to pharmacy and this retail nightmare um and so you know scouring those for this is the most compelling this is the most compelling this is going to you know help demonstrate this specific that we're trying to make and then you know kind of gathering those things and then Ethan goes okay let me take a crack at it and the amazing thing about storytelling is that it is um, it is innate in each human being right it is a way that we communicate and um, when you are a writer or an editor or a filmmaker or you know any any person who's really actively working in storytelling you you learn to name these different things right there's we we put names on them so that we know we can communicate with one another but they're things that the audience whether they know it or not already knows inherently because it's literally the way our brains are wired and it's the way that we have survived as a species right we tell stories so that we pass on information so that people you know survive to make more people and pass on more information like storytelling is our amazing you know human technology that we use right so so we're we're tapping into those things that help people make connections and make they recognize a pattern and they 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 understand oh this might have been a bunch of little clips together, but when I watch it in its entirety, at the end, I go, oh, my God, I understand what they're trying to tell me. And, you know, so that's the stuff that we're we're doing, right? Going along with that, um, the naming of the innate sense of story into something that's structured is really helpful for um, keeping the like global, the big story in our heads, because um, this weekend when we were working on that grant application and we did put together kind of the like storyboard, if you will, for that committee, we were like, okay, so we know that in the first act we have to establish, okay, we have, it seems like we have patients and customers versus pharmacy stuff. And we are kind of pitting these two groups to get against one another because that's what the public perception is. And then from there, we start to chip away at that public perception and introduce some basic education about what's going on behind the counter before pivoting into who we're following and our main characters and following their journey through kind of the um, getting to know them, the really like dark night of the soul, like emotional core that you hit towards like three quarters into a movie where you're like, wow, I've gotten to know you. And this is a really 
tricky situation that you're in and really showing the almost hopelessness, like the villain's too big. They're never going to make it. And then coming out of that in your, um, your third act and being like, but there is hope. We took you through the ringer. We took you to the bottom and now there's actually hope. You know, UB40, you know that group? They've got this song that I love. It's called, uh, I think it's Puddle or Puddle at My Feet. And I love it, except like stories. The songs are supposed to have like a troubled first verse, a troubled second verse, and then kind of the refrain. And then at the end, it sort of wraps up a little bit. But this one, the first verse was like a problem. And like the resolution was almost coming in the second verse already before the refrain even came. It just didn't sit right with me. So a good storyteller almost is like filling in the holes that they know that we humans need. That's absolutely what it's all about is understanding what does like, you know what you want someone to understand, but it's like a great teacher, right? Like you're like, I need you to understand this concept, but I can't just tell you that whole concept and you're going to go right over your head and you're not going to care about it. You're going to be bored and you're not going to hear me. So rather than just tell you the thing, I'm going to give you a piece at a time. Linearly, I'm going to drip it to you. I'm going to give you this and I help you care about this person. I'm going to give you some conflict and help you care a little bit more. And we build it so that by the end, you have a full understanding. You've been able to, you know, piece it together bit by bit and take it in and process it and see the big picture. And so a story becomes, you know, greater than the sum of its parts, right? So it becomes, there's a, there's a greater meaning that we, we get from it. Um, and, you know, this is true of any, any story. And that's, this is particularly why Ethan is so passionate about documentary because it's real life, right? So, um, you know, I'm really passionate about fiction um, because I'm going to write you a story that will tell you a truth about real life. Um, and I get to have all my creative control. And Ethan loves to capture the real the real life of what's happening. Like these are people's lives. They're out there right now. And, you know, and this is what's going on. And, and you just don't know. So we just need to we want to educate you and communicate what's really going on so that you actually have free will. You actually have a choice to decide if you want want to, you know, oh, I'm going to stop going to my, you know, chain pharmacy. I'm going to go support the the independent, you know, or if I can, if, if my, you know, not everybody has that option, but, um, but we just don't even know what needs to happen if people aren't advocating and, and educating. But you still have to make sure the emotional signal is clear. So um, one thing that we were talking about yesterday, actually, was I had um, written a line of text and Kim was like, that sentence is factually correct. Nothing is wrong with that sentence, but you're not hitting the emotional notes. You're just telling them facts. And so it's really just making sure that you um, are appealing to your audience in a way that hits them in an emotional core, which is why... Sometimes reading articles about what's going on in pharmacy doesn't really hit the same as really watching a story about it. Right. You watch that one TikTok with that person who's on the floor on the phone and they're just like absolutely feeling insane with probably whatever doctor's office they're trying to talk to and just going or insurance company. Right. And we're just like, I just, you know, just my whole nervous system just lights up because I know what it's like to be that frustrated. Right. I've never worked in a pharmacy, but I know what it's like to be that frustrated. And it's just connects you as humans let's say a story has like 30 parts to it that last part it's almost like the documentaries the good documentaries they almost leave you at like 29 and the 30th part 
is then the next step that the viewer does. I think to like some of these documentaries, my daughters are vegans and they make me watch these things. They strap me down. <laughs> you watch all the food ones, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I watch, you know, knives over forks and supersize uh-huh. me and all this stuff. You know, I know that wasn't vegan and how terrible the free market is for promoting fast food. So like I'll be out to eat with my wife for lunch at McDonald's while I'm shoving a Big Mac in my face and 10 fries and I'll be telling her how great those documentaries were. So they don't work on me, but at least I think about that 30th step, you know? Right. You're more aware than you were before. And then you decide, I don't care. I don't care. I want what I want. I'm a red-blooded American and I'm going to eat my beef and that's going to happen, right? Yes. (laughs) What's the worst emotion you've had so far? Is there any negativity at all? I mean, have you been, has there ever been hopelessness because you couldn't get enough people to respond? I mean, has what's the most negative emotion so far? Limited time and limited resources. My most negative emotion is probably frustration, just because it's very difficult to do a project of this scale with limited time and limited resources. We all have day jobs, families. And so it's just like, if I could only commit to this full time, then we would be able to just like run with this, but I still have to go to work tomorrow. So yeah, that's really been it. It's just been knowing how important it is, knowing how powerful it is and and how much, how passionate we are to tell the story and how passionate all of the people that we've spoken with are to tell the truth and get the story out so that other people know what's going on. Um, And then, yeah, being, you know, being limited on, on how much time we can really invest in it on a weekly, monthly basis, because, you know, we have, other clients gigs on East has you know the hospital to go to like and we just we just want to be doing this right we just want to be doing this yeah we had a big heart to heart um not too long ago about this when it was really getting down to like that brass tacks like okay we are running out of resources for Kim and Ethan because they are both in it's burnout and they're both independent contractors so any time spent on this project is time they're not with a client and so we had been in the first few months after we started doing this we were on calls almost every single day it was a fire hose it's a fire hose a fire hose People were so excited to tell us their stories and it was amazing it was amazing but then both Kim and Ethan are like we're running out of resources for our own personal lives. And so like, we need to eat, we have to pay the mortgage. And I was just like, had that moment of like, I know they both really want to do this project. And it's just it makes me very sad, because I'm like, they both want to do it. But I'm not going to stand in the way of them paying their mortgage, feeding their family. Not counting the marketing and the the red carpets and the interviews and all that. How far do you feel you're done with this project now that you've had a lot of the interviews, you've got the trailer done? Do you feel you're 25% done? It's so interesting in terms of I feel like we have a really good handle on the content as far as like knowing the kind of footage we want to go capture, the kind of people we want to talk to, because we have gathered a lot of information. Um, and, and we have a really good understanding of what we need to communicate to our audience in the final product. So I feel really good about that. Um, now it's, it's just a matter, it feels like it's a lot of execution, right? We need to be going out and we need to 
get all the information to fill all of those holes, right? Get the footage, um, get the, you know, get the sources. There's probably, you know, there's a certain amount of, you know, in, in documentaries, there, there might be something you need to explain. And so you'll make a little animated explainer video that like with graphs and points and, you know, so we, there's those things that need to be together and, and made. But I think I feel really good about knowing what we're doing and how we're, you know, what we're trying to do. It's it's a matter of getting the resources so we can take the flights, so we can hire the local crew, so that we can capture the footage, and so that we can, and you know, getting access to locations, um, you know, so we can get all the footage that we that we want to get. So there's all of production still needs to happen, which you know. What's interesting about this project, and I was thinking about it, um, and I was, you know, thinking about other documentaries that, you know, lots of times it can take years, right? It can take years to put a documentary together. Um, And so what's interesting is it feels like everything that we're trying to capture can be captured. Like, it's people talking about the past, and it's, you know, it seems that we can go be on site, get their stuff, but it's not really like we we don't necessarily have to follow, um, you know, like, a campaign, right? That's going to take a certain number of, of months and time. You know what I mean? So, so it feels like the history of a thing so that we can change what's going to happen. And we would like to do that sooner rather than later, rather than like, we're going to, you know, capture someone's voyage around, you know, around the, the ocean or whatever, you know, what you're like, you're just here for all of the time to do that. Um, and so it, it does have, so it feels like there, it can go faster if we have the resources, right? That's, that's how it feels to me. If you need somebody to tell you how things should be done in a pharmacy, I could be that person. And then you could say, all right, now, everybody you've seen Mike do it, now do the opposite. (laughs) And then you can put like a left and right screen with a big X through me or something and then put the green check mark on the right side, you know, with an animated person. What is your big speed bump? Now you have the trailer. Are you trying to get funding from anybody? And you need that funding then to get the final product. And then when the final product comes in, you need someone to pick that up. Where are you in the business part of that? The money. So right after this podcast airs, we are going to start our first crowdfunding campaign. Our slogan was put your money where you can't put your mouth. Because a lot of people are so scared of retaliation, they don't want to talk to us. Fine. That's okay. No harm, no foul. Give us two hours of your time. So the amount of money you would make in two hours, just um, contribute that to this documentary. And we will find someone who can tell your story. The typical person, they'll see the trailer and then at the end you'll have a QR code or something and then they'll go on their phone and then they'll go to a site or something and then they'll have the opportunity to donate to this. How does that work out actually? Yeah, so um, for film, there is a platform called Seed and Spark. It's kind of like Kickstarter, but for um, film specifically. So essentially what we are planning on doing is we have built up some community on Twitter. So we're going to basically tweet out our Seed and Spark and let people know we've started fundraising. But we also have a um, pretty lengthy list of people we've either talked to or we um, know who are more influencers than we are with bigger platforms. For example, like the cynical pharmacist or the accidental pharmacist. Um, We've talked to them. And so they have a hundred thousand people plus who follow them to be like, here you go, 
show this to your audience. They're pharmacy. This whole campaign is marketing to pharmacy staff. So they get it. And we just need to have those voices amplify us so that they watch that trailer and then go, man, I'm ready. We're going to contribute. This is a community documentary. We're all doing this documentary. You mentioned the crowdsourcing. Now, I ain't no genius, ladies, but I'm thinking you've got this excellent trailer. I'm imagining that's somehow going to come out with your notice that we want to raise some funds, right? Those are going to be kind of together, right? Yeah, so they will be. So when um, people either look at our social media post or when they listen to this podcast, they will be able to. Um, so for example, here, look at the link in the show notes, it'll take you to our seed and spark page. If you click on that, um, it'll be the main video on that page, and you can watch it and then just donate from that page. So um, how people will get access to that video is through our seed and spark. So we might have either um, a still shot of it, or like maybe the first couple seconds to really draw people in. Ooh, that's intriguing. I want to watch it. But in order to watch it, we want it to be from our fundraising page so that you have the impulse to donate and contribute right away. <laughs> All links to watch the trailer will take you to Seed and Spark. You watch the film, you watch the trailer there, and then you'll have you'll be right there so that you can donate your two hours. Two hours money worth of your time. Yes, two hours money worth of your time. This is, you know, for, for your industry, right? This is for your profession. Um, this is for you know, making things better um, for you and for your patients. The trailer really right now is really for pharmacists. It absolutely is. When this is done, you might do a different trailer for the streaming executives or for the consumers. It might be different than this. This is more to say we understand pharmacists and we're here and let's raise this. And this message that's in the trailer will be in the film. It's just not the only message that will be in the film because the consumer needs to know Okay, and now what do I do, right? So we have to be able to show, like, why is it so jacked up the way that it is? And what do we do about it? So those parts are coming in the main film. But When they're on this and give money, I'm not implying you do this. I'm just wondering, do they say, we'll let you know of the premiere night? Do they become part of anything when they give? So we want um, whoever is giving to feel like they are a part of this documentary. It is a community documentary, which is why we want um, the pharmacy community to fund it. So we really, the um, the perk they get is a documentary. That's number one. Delivery number one. Is that we're gonna- I think that's a good answer, Anis, because it's kind of like, do you guys know what bazooka gum is? <laughs> yes. Yes. When I was a kid, you would collect bazooka <laughs> comics that came in the bazooka bubble gum, and then you'd send in like a hundred of these things, and you'd get like live jumping beans or something like that. But sometimes you can cheapen stuff like what if i bought my wife's engagement ring what if she found out i bought that with bazooka comics (laughs) so this too it's like if you start giving giveaways it's almost like the project itself is not as important it's like no you give because this is important you're not going to get any gimmicks this is just important and i think you know for one, we don't have a budget to do giveaways. If we had to give, if we had a budget to do giveaways, we we would just go fund the film. Um, and also, you know, it is about 
um, yeah, the main purpose obviously is to make the documentary. But one thing that they will be a part of is seeing the progress. Like this might take us a year or two to make, right? But there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens between now and then. And if you want to stay in it and stay, you know, be a part of it and be, you know, there's going to be multiple opportunities to give. So even if you can't give on this first one, you know, we're going to, we're kind of, we're breaking it down sort of by segments. Um, our first one is the West Coast tour. We're going to try, you know, map out like, okay, planes, trains, automobiles, what do we got to do to try to make it and do our, do our West Coast tour? One of our interviewees is going to hook us up with some good flights. Like, you know, so there's things like that. So people will definitely have a chance to be a part of like, hey, we're going to be in this city on these days. Like, come hang out. Let's talk. Like, here's behind the scenes footage. Here's some, you know, just like this is where the project is at and giving those updates and letting people know that like, this is what we learned. And like, really just because it's it's not just about the documentary. It's about making actual change in the world of pharmacy, right? So if it's like, hey, this is the thing we learned about. Take this back to your, you know, your associations or whatever. You know what I mean? We're just, we don't even know. I don't know what all of that's going to be, but I just know that when, that when we're all in, right? We're all in and we're going to be bringing our best effort and bringing the best content and really um, infusing some life and some hope back into a community that's been really, been working so hard and just so downtrodden that it's like, okay, let's let's all band together and do a thing, you know? So, um, yeah, so we'll figure out what all of that is. I was talking to somebody who was trying to make change in the industry, and we actually got to the point where I finally understood that one of the things with the upper echelon people in the chains and stuff who ultimately would be making this change was embarrassment. You were embarrassing them or embarrassing their kids to say, my father or mother is part of that operation that has rodents in their place, that kind of thing. I didn't see any of this on the trailer, but is any of this going to be where you where you find CEO so-and-so at a pharmacy function and you've got a mic in his face and he says no comment, or you go to a dinner undercover. I didn't see any of this, but are you attacking at all? I'm guessing you're not, but are you going to? Funny, you should say going undercover. We did um, say, because we were technically the partners and CEOs of our own little independent business, Shots With That LLC, we went to an executive summit and we listened to people at a, the higher echelons of some of these companies talk and we took some notes. As spies. As spies. And you got in just because you were a company? They didn't do any background check? No. We paid the entry fee and um, it was all virtual, so it made it easy. No, they don't care. No, they didn't care. Someone's not going to say anything too much when they're on there. No, they're not. But it was very eye-opening, though, the things that we heard just just from listening in, like the level of disconnect that they have with their with their front line, like the, you know, and it's just it's just that gap in understanding between the haves and the have-nots, right? Like, um, and it's really interesting. I think that's you know, it's almost becomes a class issue, right? Like when you have the the CEOs at the top, you have the pharmacists, um, and then you have you know your patients, and so they're like. Oh, you know, pharmacists shouldn't complain about their jobs because they're making X number of dollars, you know, blah, 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 blah. they're seeing them as a different class of person, right? And they're being, they're offended that someone has, you know, would dare complain about their job. And, and so, you know, it's just, again, this is, this is part of what we're trying, the lines of communication that we're trying to clear up in the film, because it's just, an, it's all a big misunderstanding. It's all a big, like, 
I can't, okay, this is my naiveness. I cannot imagine that the people that are, um, you know, trying to revolutionize healthcare, right? Walgreens, whatever. Like, I don't think they're evil people, right? I mean, money hungry, maybe? Kim, they don't give a crap. (laughs) (laughs) I have no dog in this fight. I'm an independent (laughs) pharmacy owner. I mean, through vertical integration, I deal with these people because they're PBMs and stuff. But as far as the pharmacies go, I don't have really a dog in that fight with a retail chain. They don't care. They know. They're burning people out. People that have to pay off student loans and all this kind of stuff. That's why this one person I was talking to said, how can you affect these people? And maybe it's embarrassment. You know, maybe it's somehow when they're on their yachts, you know, they're embarrassed or their golf game or, you know, how do you affect those people? Because they don't really care. I think it's embarrassment. And the rodents do a great job of it. The rodents do it. Yes, it does. And also um, embarrassment in their pocketbook. They're offering $100,000 sign-on bonuses that pharmacists aren't taking. If you have no pharmacist to open the store, eventually that's a problem. What's going to be really cool for this for you? I can say for me, like, this is one story that we want to tell. So like for, I think beyond, you know, the change that's going to happen to pharmacy, we just want to tell stories, right? The thing is, is this is one issue that we are passionate about and we are going to do our damnedest to tell the best story that we can and it will have whatever effect it's going to have. It That 30th step of the film is in the hands of the audience, right? At some point, you know, the story is theirs and they are going to do what they want. But I want to break in to the industry. Like I have stories to tell. We have things to do. Like, and we know what we're doing. We just need access. Just let us in. Like we are knocking on the door and I just, I want in. So this becomes really popular, then you can say, hey, yeah, we did the would you like shots with this, and then you can do the next one, and maybe funding is easier, that kind of stuff. How about you, Anais? We are on the exact same page. This is why we have been um, writing partners for the last few years, because we want into this industry. We have got great stories to tell, and it's just, it's so fun. Like, it's just a pleasure to tell these stories and just have a chance to be creative all of the time. It's a blast. Kim, you like fiction more, though. Is this going to pull you away from the fiction or can you just lie in these documentaries and that's going to be your fiction? (laughs) I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I don't think it'll take away from the fiction because like we we actually are concurrently writing a series of pirate novels about female pirates. And you have more time to invest in the things that you're trying to build, right? It gives you... um, yeah, and, and it gives you contacts, connections. You know, I didn't go to film school, right? But it's like, just let me in the room and let me show you, right? Let me show you what I can do. No fame at all? Don't care about that? I don't want to be famous at all. Even in the industry? Known is one thing, famous is another. If people want to give me jobs because they know I'm good, that's fine. The stories are what matter, and it's connecting with the audience is what matters. Like, that's what we're here to do. And, and anything, whether it's, you know, <laughs> Academy Award nominations, like, they're all tools. So someone's like, oh, that was really good. I I haven't watched that yet. We should watch it. Like, if it just gets more people to take in the story, I'm all for it. Well, ladies, I usually have like an official goodbye after these things, but I'm not even going to take the time to do that. I'm just going to say, listeners, right now when this ends, go watch this trailer. Donate to this cause. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you so much.
You've been listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Please subscribe for all future episodes. Thank you.